Donna is still out with the baby pterodactyl. But the baby pterodactyl has been born. Yes, it has been born now. I think it's a girl. Okay. Excellent. Suddenly not sure. Feel bad. Sorry, Donna. We love you. <laughs> um, so, with Donna still gone, we decided to continue to stall. And so tonight we watched the original unaired pilots. I thought you were going to add something there. I guess you're not. No. <laughs> we, uh, so like I said, this is unaired. It's not officially available anywhere. But it's unofficially available in a lot of places. Yeah. And uh, if you are particularly moral, yeah. uh, Joss Whedon has purposefully not released it anywhere. He doesn't love it. He feels like it's not up to snuff. So he has never included it in, on anything. I mean, that's fair. It's not up to snuff, but it's valuable to the fans. I agree, but I can also, he, you know, he's, he basically says that he doesn't want to release something that's not the best, and he doesn't feel that the unaired pilot is the best, so he has chosen not to include it on, in, not that, he has chosen not to include it on anything. Well, that is a shame. I, I kind of agree, for a lot of reasons. So should we should we go ahead and, and jump into this? Oh, I thought you were going to give some reasons. Um, well, my reasons will be covered throughout. Okay. <laughs> I agree for a lot of reasons. Let's continue with the episode to find them out. All right, so... Uh, you want to just kind of go chronologically? Yeah. Um, basically, if you've seen Welcome to the Hellmouth, there's not going to be anything really shocking or new in this. It's... It's really just Welcome to the Hellmouth in, like, 20 minutes. Well, there's also a lot of stuff that isn't introduced until much later in the season, and even in season two. That's true. That, that comes out in the uh, pilot. Like, for instance, the introduction of Dingo's Ate My Baby. Yeah, yeah. Although, we still never see Dingo's Ate My Baby. We, we never see them, but, they, but Xander does say that they, uh, they don't know any chords yet. Yeah, yeah. Which, isn't that what he says about them later, too? I don't know. Um, the opening is very, very, almost shot for shots the same as Welcome to the Hellmouth with Darla and a boy. Did they go into the theater in Welcome to the Hellmouth? They did not. That was one of the things that I wanted to talk about. I really, really liked the theater set. I liked it, too. I thought it was really fun. It was kind of Escher-esque. Since it's all just, um, so in, rather than just walking through the school, uh, Darla and the boy she's with go through to the, I guess, auditorium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to the auditorium. Xander says that later. Where there are pieces of sets on the stage. And so we end up with a lot of stuff to play with there, like the trap door in the stage and, um, false doors and stairs that don't really go anywhere, and just a lot of really cool things. And I thought that theater set was really fantastic and super fun to be in. I also enjoyed it. I liked the drop, um, the trap door. That was pretty cool. Yeah. It, and, and it really adds to the whole 
the whole atmosphere of the, oh, what's the guy going to do to the girl? And then, bam! Yeah, it really makes the guy seem a lot more sinister because he opens the trap door just as Darla is walking in that direction and very well could have dropped her down the trap door. So it very much does make him feel like more of a threat until the tables are turned. Um, oh my god, the music. The music was really interesting. I kind of almost like the music in this, but like, okay. Interesting is a choice of word. Okay, if you're about to rag on Rancid, we can't be friends. <laughs> I was going to rag on Rancid, I guess. I don't know who Rancid is. You, you you just, you can't do that. Okay. It was, Rancid was the first song that they played um, as Buffy's walking into the school. Oh, yeah, that's when I said, oh my god, the music. Yeah, don't, don't rag on Rancid. I didn't like it. Podcast over, guys, sorry. <laughs> it was, well, you know, some people like the choices, the choice of music, so, you know, whatever. Um, Principal Flutie uh, surprised me by not being the Principal Flutie that I knew, and instead being a much more famous actor by the name of Stephen Lobo. Tobolowski. Tobolowski. By being a much more famous author by the name of Stephen Tobolowski. Famous author. Much more famous. (laughs) Donna, we're lost without you. So Principal Flutie surprised me by being not Principal Flutie, but an entirely different actor. uh, Stephen Tobolowski, who... I know from a whole bunch of other stuff. Like Glee. Like Glee. But also he's other a, things. He's, he's, a, he's, in, he's in a lot of stuff. He's a big character actor. Yeah. So Principal Flutie was played by him, and I was like, oh my god, I wonder why they couldn't keep him. I imagine because he was doing things. Too expensive, but then like they got them for the pilot. Like, oh my god. Um, you know, I, I did think it was interesting because almost the entire cast in the pilot ends up being the cast in the show, except for Flutie and uh, Willow. Yeah. I mean, they even have, I'm pretty sure they even had Jonathan in here. They did have Jonathan in here. Um, which surprised, I'm only pretty sure because the video quality was not great. Yeah, it was definitely Jonathan um, and the only, the, which was Pretty great considering that Jonathan isn't introduced in the real show, I think, until Inca Mummy Girl. Mmm. I can check real quick. Alright, well, while you check, um, I'm gonna say a little bit about Riff Reagan. What do you want to say? I thought she was great. Okay, good. I actually love Riff Reagan in this role, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but... I almost wish that Willow had been Riff Reagan because I feel like very often in Buffy, they're trying to convince us that Allison Hannigan is not as pretty as Allison Hannigan is. And I'm not saying that Riff Reagan's not pretty, but Riff Reagan is not conventionally what you would consider attractive. Whereas Allison Hannigan ticks almost every box of like nerd girl hotdom. Yeah. And she has kind of like a, um, she has a, she has this, like, incredible sweetness to her. Like, just, Riff played a great Willow. I, yeah, I loved her. I loved her so much as Willow. And I feel like, I feel like her and Xander just being friends and Xander um, 
not ever seeing her as a romantic relationship is a lot more believable yes. when it's Riff Reagan as opposed to Allison Hannigan. Mm-hmm. Um, Inca Mummy Girl, you're right. That is the first appearance of of him. But yeah, I... And I, I, I mentioned this when... Maybe <laughs> Inca Mummy Girl is a pretty big deal. It might have been Inca Mummy Girl. When is Willow lamenting to Buffy about Xander liking her and not Willow? Oh, I don't feel comfortable guessing. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there was an episode, and I mentioned Riff Reagan again in that when we talked about that one, because I feel like that would have been... I feel like there are a lot more interesting depths you could go through with Riff Reagan as Willow. Because, again, Allison Hannigan is, is, in my opinion, very conventionally attractive, and Riff Reagan isn't. And her outfit is also less quirky and more actually dorky yeah. <laughs> in the pilot than Allison Hannigan ever is. Um, and yeah, so I just I just feel like a lot of the lines that Willow has would have been really heartbreaking and more meaningful coming from Riff Reagan. I agree. Um, and I'm not faulting Allison Hannigan. I love Allison Hannigan. She was a great Willow. I just, I would sort of like to see the alternate reality in which this was Riff Reagan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would hate to lose Allison Hannigan, but I would like to see Riff Reagan as Willow more. Um, I wonder what she's up to now. Nothing. She retired from acting in 2003 and she's now running a startup out of Harvard. Well, shit. Good on her. Yeah. Uh, she... I believe had a few roles. Her IMDb list is not long. Um, she seems to be doing well though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. She seems. She She seems okay. I don't know. I'm. I'm happy for her if she's happy. Yeah. Um. I. I loved the setting. Um. So for the actual show, they had their own Sunnydale High set. Uh. But for the pilot, since they didn't actually have a set yet. They used an existing high school, and the high school has a beautiful library. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, that library looks like a library. Just like, like you can almost smell the books. Yeah. As you walk in, as Buffy walks in for the first time, um, it it's a great great set. Um, do you notice Buffy was brunette? I didn't because the image quality was so bad, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, image quality was pretty bad, but Buffy was definitely brunette. Um, also, Xander's hair was kind of long and triangle-shaped at his ears. Yeah. You'll notice who we didn't mention, who we haven't mentioned yet. Jesse. Jesse's not in this. Yeah, Jesse's completely out. Yep, there is no Jesse. Which, you know, it actually makes more sense given the caliber of the rest of the show where Jesse is forgotten completely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like Jesse was definitely sort of an afterthought once the show got picked up. Yeah, they were probably like, you gotta kill somebody. Yeah. You gotta make this make, make, make Raise the stakes here. Give us something to care about. Yeah. Um, I really liked the talk that Buffy and Xander had about the different cliques. That was pretty great. Didn't we have a similar talk in the real show? I think that we did, but for some reason, this one seemed better to me. This one did seem better. There seemed to be a lot more interaction between Xander and Buffy in this one. Like, Xander wasn't just sitting there explaining things to Buffy. He was involving her in the conversation. They had a banter going on. They they had 
in in this conversation, Xander and Buffy have really good chemistry. Actually, in this entire pilot, Buffy and Xander have really good chemistry. Yeah, like I could actually see them getting together in the, like after this pilot, like I could see them becoming a couple at some point. I could actually see Xander thinking that they could after this pilot and being kind of down when they don't because everything seemed to be clicking properly in this pilot, which is I feel like something we don't see in Hellmouth. Yeah. Um, well, in Hellmouth, they definitely introduce Angel, uh, which is, which is a, a total departure from the way that this one is shot. Yeah, they do. Angel comes in. I forgot that. I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> um, so there's a dead guy in the locker room and the school just continues on for the day. Yeah, and, and Principal Flutie's like, anything you need, anything you need, we can help because, you know, this is terrible. We don't, we almost never have dead bodies here. Yeah. And then uh, Buffy's like, can I see the body? And I guess Principal Flutie says, sure. Yeah, yeah, which all seemed very strange to me. Uh, the pacing was incredibly fast, but obviously it's, it's super, it's super short. So, but it was like breakneck. Like, I was like, whoa, what, what? This feels much more like a pilot that they never intended to air. Which, you know, it's true. Yeah, well, I mean, some pilots, even at this in this era, they would show around and then it would go on, it would be the first episode of the TV show. But this really, really does not feel like that. This feels very much like a, this is my idea, here is a sketch. Yeah. Um, I think that... Oh, okay, so a couple of things here. Uh, Buffy tells Giles that she's out, that, and he says, you can't run away from destiny, and she says, watch me. And then she leaves, and she tumbles over the... Not tumbles, like, falls, but, like, leg legitimately does acrobatics <laughs> over the banister of the stairs to get to the ground faster, and I was like, oh, good. Finally, Buffy uses her tumbling skills to actually get somewhere faster than she would have been able to by walking. <laughs> if she's learned since the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I also feel like the they did a much better job here of establishing Buffy's strength. Yeah, I definitely got a handle on on the Buffy power, the Slayer powers a little bit more. Um also in it, like during that conversation Buffy refers to uh the watchers as you people. Yeah. And that was initial, immediately a departure from the movie where it was just the one guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that seems like it's definitely a sign to, okay, hey, if you saw the movie, just letting you know, this isn't totally the same. We're changing some stuff. Um, and also because Giles exists, really. <laughs> yeah. As an adult person. Um, so, yeah, the music, it felt, the music felt to me a little bit more interwoven into this episode than it has been in other episodes. Um, in other episodes, I, I would assume since Buffy was on the WB, what we get are, I feel like, a lot of songs by bands that were popular at the time or that the record labels were trying to get popular at the time. So it was whatever people were paying the WB to play. Yeah, and they invited artists to play at the bronze. Yeah, but since this was an unaired pilot that was never meant to air, I feel like the music was a little bit more 
uh, part of the show. Yeah. And the songs seemed to me to be a bit, to fit more with what was happening in the moment. And uh, they even had a, a quote from Soul Asylum. Buffy says to Giles, I, I want to be just like everyone, just like anyone, which is just like anyone by Soul Asylum. Huh. Uh, you want to talk about the dusting? Oh, God. So the introduction of the vampire that goes after Willow, or the vampire that Willow goes out with, um, initially, in the, in the real show, Willow is at the bronze. A guy comes up to her. And meanwhile, Buffy and, and starts dancing with her. And meanwhile, Buffy and Giles are talking on the second floor. And they're looking down at everyone else. And Buffy is being asked by Giles to uh, see if she can sense any vampires. Mm-hmm. And then Buffy points one out and uh, says, no, I didn't sense it. I just, you know, look at the clothes. Yeah. And then uh, uh, the vampire starts to leave. And as she turn, as he turns around the girl that she's with, he's with, it's Willow. Mm-hmm. And then Buffy immediately chases after Willow to save Willow's life. Here, the intro of that vampire was so inorganic because they decided they were going to um, mirror what happened at the very start of the show uh, by doing the whole, like, let's go to the auditorium yeah. thing. And um, and so Xander's like, uh, yeah, Willow's got a boyfriend. And he, he's like, he seems so genuinely happy for her. Like, like that was a really sweet moment for Xander. Yeah. And then Buffy, uh, Buffy's like, hold on, hold on. Willow has a boyfriend. Tell me all about him because... Because we didn't get any of the buildup that we got in the Hellmouth of like, Willow... Sorry, this chair. Um, we didn't get any of the buildup that we got in Hellmouth of Willow being essentially told that she's sucking at being a girl. Um, or watching the guy that she has a crush on go after Buffy. We get none of that. We just suddenly see her with a vampire. Yeah, and Buffy's just like, oh, but tell me about his clothes. And then suddenly Xander becomes really good at knowing clothes. Yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, I don't, I don't believe this scene. I just kept thinking, if I asked you to describe somebody's clothes to me, what would you say? I wouldn't describe it as Lionel Richie. Um, you would, I don't even know if you know who Lionel Richie is. No, that is not a name that I know. (laughs) Um, but I also feel like if I'd asked you, you'd be like, ah, they were wearing something. I don't know, it was a dress shirt and like, it was a pattern maybe. Um, they, they had a collar. It was a collar dress shirt. So there's that. Rolled up sleeves maybe. Was there a jacket? I don't remember. Yeah, see? <laughs> and I know that other people are more observant than you are, but I was just like, Xander is super helpful in this situation. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was really inorganic. Um, but the vamp that went after Willow, holy crap, did he look like Spike. He did, especially with vamp face. With vamp face, he definitely looked like Spike. He absolutely was not Spike. No, he was not. But it looked like Spike. It looked very much like Spike. Um, did Willow kill Darla? I think she did with a cross. Yeah, so vampires can die with a cross. Uh, she just kind of pressed the cross against her forehead and then... Maybe it was a wooden cross and she staked her with it. Off screen. No, definitely pressed it. 
<laughs> they just kind of stood there, and Xander managed to make his way all around, all the way around from underneath the vampire to like behind Willow. Yeah, it wasn't super well edited. No, but it was it was still a lot of fun to watch. So, we should probably take Did... a break. Oh, right, uh, the break. Even though we haven't gotten to the dusting, which is the question I asked. Yeah, we'll but, get um... back to the dusting here in a moment, but we definitely are overdue for a break. So, we'll be right back. Um, welcome to our break. Uh, we are a part of Gumby Cat Networks. They have lots of other really cool podcasts. If you want to check one out, there's Popcorn Junkie. Uh, in his latest episode, he talks about the Dark Tower, um, Catherine Bigelow's Detroit, and also the Netflix original Kidnap. Not to mention, he chats about Adam Ruins Everything, which is one of my favorite comedy Comicational? Comedy educational? <laughs> uh, an educational comic. Uh, he calls himself an educational comedian or comedian educator or something. Adam Conover is great. If you haven't, that's a podcast that I'm plugging now that has nothing to do with Gummy Cast Network. But, but Popcorn Junkie talks about it. Um, so definitely go check out Popcorn Junkie. They also have an episode on the worst animated kids' films. And I have not listened to it yet, but I am super, super excited to hear it. And I will have, I hope, a lot of really fun things to say about it next time. Gummy uh, Cat Networks, podcasters podcasting for podcast people. Da da da! So, dusting. Dusting. Oh okay. my god, dusting. Um, <laughs> so that was hilarious. Um, I, um... <laughs> Adrian and I are part of something called Gishwis this year. Yes. And uh, it's a it's a scavenger hunt. The greatest you, international scavenger hunt the world has ever seen. Put on by Misha Collins, who is Castiel in Supernatural. And the reason why I'm saying this is because for this weekend, I made a stop motion video as a result of <laughs> this. And and, and um, I'd never done stop motion before. Uh, so it was kind of exciting and really messy. Uh, but I did it. And uh, that's what this reminded me of because of the way that they basically filmed the vampire just dying, and then they film a whole bunch of dust laid out. No, d dust in the shape of the vampire. Yeah, dust in the shape of the vampire, and then slowly the dust moves away, like just okay, but I feel like you're frame giving by frame. It, I feel like you're giving it a lot of credit, because this whole, like, this whole scene, this whole dusting scene, was about five frames yeah <laughs> like the the you you easily did more frames in your stop motion video than they did for this dusting scene because it was vampire dead vampire shaped dust pile of dust smaller pile of dust layer of dust on ground yes. that was that was it those were all of the frames used yeah for this and, scene. and each frame lasted about like maybe a full second yeah it was it was not awesome. <laughs> it, they definitely did better with the dusting later, and they didn't do great with the dusting later. So I feel like the dusting has always been a little bit problematic for them. Yeah, I could. I always have that same argument of like, what are the rules for what must be attached to them and what dusts with them? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so the dusting was very weird. We only saw the one vampire dust though. Uh, they did. They spared us the dust uh, when it came to Darla's death. 
She wasn't named in this, though. I feel like that might be important to say. Nobody called her Darla. Nobody called her Darla. Nobody called a lot of people anything, actually. I think we, we met Principal Flutie. We met Buffy, obviously. Um, Cordelia Harmony. Did we meet Harmony? Harmony was in this, but did we actually hear her name? Oh, we may not have heard her name. Um, we met Aphrodisia. We did meet Aphrodisia and... I don't remember the other one's name. Yeah, Aphrodisia and Arya or something. Yeah, they were really weird names, but, it, but you know, that was the point. Yeah. Um... But yeah, it was so we didn't we didn't know who a lot of people were. Um, in the click talk that they had, I felt like well, not just the click talk. There were a couple of really nice bits of world building dropped in that I feel like have not been dropped into the actual show. For instance, uh, Willow tells Buffy that Giles used to be the curator at some museum. Oh, that was still the case in the uh, other show. And then she mm-hmm. says. I don't know why he would come here. I mean, we have some pretty important collections. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I did not remember that from the original. I don't remember that being in the show either. And I was like, oh, that actually makes all of this make a lot more sense that Willow is calling attention to the fact that the library is above and beyond what we would expect. And then I'm just wondering, why does a high school library have a lot of important collections? But then during the click talk, Xander is talking to Buffy about all the cliques, and he points to some people, and he said they would probably be hardcore gangsters if it weren't for that upper-middle-class blood or something. Yeah, upper-middle-class white thing. White thing. Yeah, upper-middle-class white thing. So, one, I like that Xander pointed out that there's a lot of white people in this school. Two, he kind of pointed out why. And three... um, Brings up why there might be a lot of important collections at this library. Yeah. And so I feel like those are two moments that I don't understand why they couldn't just be transitioned into the actual script. Well, I also really, like, um, there were a few lines that were pretty great in this that weren't in the the show. Um, I don't really know if you can call it the original since this is technically the original. Yeah, I've been been saying original and and that's an error and I keep trying to correct myself. (laughs) Um, uh, That was my favorite spine. Yes, (laughs) I like that. I feel like, I wonder if they maybe had Whedon like temper his Whedonisms for the show at first. Probably for the best, because he used What's the Sitch several times, and it what? got noticeable. Yeah, like, Buffy said it, and I was like, sure. And then Xander said it, and I was like, Xander, you're a little nerdier than this. Yeah. I love the trapdoor fight scene that was almost cartoonish at the end. Yes. Where Buffy and the vampire are down in, in the trapdoor section of the stage, because, of course, since we're mirroring the beginning, we go back to the... We go back to the um, auditorium for the final fight, and Buffy gets knocked off of one of the sets into the trapdoor section with a vampire, and they proceed to have an audio-only fight while Willow and Xander look on in horror. And then then the vampire comes back up, and he's like, she can't protect you anymore, and then Buffy starts to pull him back down, and he's like, that thought yeah yeah and it was so funny and i really really wish that we'd gotten another scene like that in the show yeah i thought it was great 
Uh, my only other thing to talk about is the end. What do you have? Uh, I have nothing else to talk about, except for that um, the episode was still fun to watch. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I would have liked a little bit better video quality, which is why I sort of wish that... There would be a released version. Yeah, okay, was... so let's go ahead and talk about the end real quick, and then we'll talk about why I wish there was... Go for it. ...in more in-depth. Um, I really enjoyed the end of this episode, in which Giles is sort of getting on to Buffy about everything that she did. He's like, you, if you've been a minute later, Willow would be dead. You um, revealed yourself to people. And he's just really laying into her about all of this. And she does not give a fuck at all. She's like sucking on a lollipop and just leaning against the banister that... Well, she's holding a stake. Like, very visibly holding a stake. <laughs> yeah, just just casually holding a stake, leaning against the banister with Xander and Willow. Like, clearly, like, staking her claim. Staking her claim, ha-ha! About, like, these are my friends. I am with them. We are a group. To the point that even when Cordelia and Harmony walk by, they're like, oh, I can't believe we were almost nice to her. Guess she's found her group. Yeah. And Buffy essentially just tells Giles to fuck off. That, like, she doesn't care about any of that. She did say Willow. Yes, she added herself. Whatever. And then she, in the middle of the quad, uh, at school, throws a stake and hits a Nosferatu poster in the heart. And, I don't know, I really liked that. I love the camaraderie that Buffy showed with Xander and Willow at that moment. That was pretty neat. And, and the whole, like... Look at all the fucks I give to, to Giles and his whole, you're doing this all wrong. It felt, it felt a little bit more true to how I feel Buffy would have been after, after the movie. After Merrick telling her, you do everything wrong, keep doing it wrong. Well, yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely see that. Um, also, it makes a lot of sense in this unaired pilot because... Giles doesn't have that big a role uh, in this episode. Yeah. He uh, he shows up to show Buffy the vampire book, which she says no to. And then when Buffy says, I don't and want to And he almost seems honestly like, do I have the wrong girl? Yeah. <laughs> and then Buffy, um, Buffy comes back to tell uh, Giles that she doesn't care. And she's not going to be slaying. And that's the end, that's the last we see of Giles until the very end when yeah. he's yelling at Buffy. So in this one, Giles has not developed the rapport with Buffy that he needs in order to be able to tell her what to do. Yeah. Um, the, uh, in the, in the show, uh, she actually, they actually develop a much better rapport. They have more time together. They spend some time hunting vampires together. And so when Buffy, when, when Giles says the stuff that he says... Buffy, like, he's earned a little bit more respect from Buffy. He's earned a little bit more care. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's true. I just, I really like the friendship that they seem to have at the end there. It felt, it felt good. Yeah, they read, had really, really good uh, dynamic, all three, all four of them. Yeah, they all felt really good. Like, like the... Well, all three of them. Giles didn't really have that dynamic. No, but I mean, clearly by the show he could get it, and it seemed yeah. he had the dynamic that seemed proper for an adult to have with three teenagers. Yeah, who he, whom he's just met. 
That makes, yeah, that's fair. Um, but I wish for so many reasons, many of them mentioned here, that this were released somewhere because it may not be perfect, but it's still, I think it's still a valuable thing to see. For instance, because we can sort of think about, you know, what would a world be like where Riff Reagan was Willow? And what if Buffy did have that friendship with them right off the bat where she was like, no, nah, these are the Scoobies. We slay together. And I don't know, like in some ways I almost wish that this was the first episode. Yeah, no, no ragging on Allison Hannigan. We love Allison Hannigan and we're happy that we got her. Um, we just want to see the alternate universe where we get another Willow, but we want to keep Allison Hannigan. We want our cake and we want to eat it as well. Yeah, no, like I said, well, she, Allison Hannigan is Willow. Like she was Willow for seven years. She's never gonna, Willow's never gonna not be her. I just, I think that Buffy did so many things that were incredibly groundbreaking for the time. And I feel like Riff Reagan would have been another one. Yeah. And I'm a little bit sad that that didn't happen. And I, I also, I wonder what did happen there. Because like I said, or like we mentioned earlier, basically the full cast is the full cast. Except for Flutie and Willow. And so... I just wonder why they went with Allison Hannigan instead of Riff. Also, can we just talk for a second about how cool the name Riff Reagan is? Riff Reagan is a cool name. <laughs> like, that is a badass name. Really, really belies her attitude. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got anything else? I, I didn't have much, but this was a very short episode, so... It was a short episode, so I guess we're going to have a short episode. It was a short episode, and all the things I think we probably would talk about more, we've already talked about on Welcome to the Hellmouth. Grr. Mark. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts. For podcast people. Meow. Meow.